up a little bit here and let's sing that song um, Nothing But The Blood and, and would you be free from your burden of sin There's power in the blood
just a little bit this evening here and let's sing that song um, it will never lose its power make sure I actually have the right song this time (laughs) for it reaches to the highest mountain and it
said let's just change it up here a little bit if you would just play something softly uh, musicians and um, you may have your seats for just a moment and at this time I'd also like uh, sister Kristen to be ready to come up and do her special here in just a moment let's just remember uh, if you would just remember uh, Chris Clayville and his family they are not here with us um, they are away. We also want to remember the Harwells who are at home this evening. Uh, we also want to remember Amanda Bilton's father, Steve Willis, who is uh, recovering from being ill. We also want to remember uh, Brother Andy Irish's mother, who is still very sick. And uh, we also want to uh, remember Sophie Cochran. I see she's here and doing better, so I don't know if she's still sick or feeling bad. She's doing good. Well, that's good. All right. We also want to remember uh, Johnny Reynolds. He is in Colorado. And we also want to remember Sister Mary Smith for her health, that she would continue to get better. And we also want to remember Brother Ron Knobloch, who is away in Florida traveling. And also uh, remember Brother Troy and Sister Connie's uh, nephew. Um, they are also away, but they do have a praise report for him. Uh, their nephew, Kent, has come back and is cancer-free. So we just want to thank God for that. And yeah, praise him for that. Amen. If you would just stand with me at this time, and I'd like to ask uh, Brother Ben Pritchard if he would come up and lead us in prayer here. Let's 
pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come to your house, Lord. Lord, we pray that you just be with the ones that are sick and afflicted, Lord. Continue to touch them, Lord, the family members that worry about them, God, and and, and, and been on their knees praying, God. I pray that you just answer those prayers, Lord Jesus. Lord, we look for testimonies on these things. We pray that you just be with the ones that are traveling, Lord. Give them traveling mercies. Praise God, you just uh, anointed the preacher tonight, God, that we may hear your word and go away blessed. Give this service to you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may have your seats now. Sister Kristen, if you would go ahead and uh, come on up. And as she's coming, let's sing that song that they're playing um, in the morning when I rise. 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 Just give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. Name Sister Kristen.
song um, it just escaped me um, I have a father I have a father he calls me his own and he'll
offering. If I could have Brother Tom pray over them real quick. into his house and gathered in his name to worship him. And we have come into his house gathered in
let's just sing this song as Brother Barry comes. I'm going to make it. And I'm going to make it. He's already said that I would. And everything for my prepare our hearts, I pray. We thank you, Lord, for each and every one that's here and those that are streaming. And Lord, we ask now that you would just move among us and speak to our hearts. We desire, Lord Jesus, to come together to worship you. You're the center of everything that we do. Not to waste time. And not to waste time telling you what to do. We want you, Lord, to have free course among us and speak to our hearts. Lord, take every spirit under your control. Help us, Lord, to be ourselves to relax in your presence, and, Lord, to glean from the word as only believers can. Help us, I pray, Lord, as we commit this evening into your hands. In the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Good to have all you wayfarers back, and uh, good to have uh, each and every one with us tonight. Take your Bible. Let's go and... Uh, in the book of Romans, if you don't mind. Appreciate the musicians and their contribution. How many appreciate the new screens? Isn't that better? It's, I think it's better. Because I, I, I have my own. And uh, it's really great. I appreciate uh, that very much. That We've got a lot of enhancements, and we appreciate that very much. All right, Shalom in the home, or it's all good in the hood, number three. We want to talk tonight a little bit about how to keep peace in your family. How to keep peace in the family. Romans chapter 12, verse 17. This is the only place in the Bible where you'll find a verse written like this. Recompense to no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men. 
And if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. May the Lord add his blessing. You may be seated uh, this afternoon, this evening. A couple of very quick things that I wanted to share with you. Uh, good to have Brother David Fritz with us. David is sitting over here on the right-hand side, my right. Brother David is an old, old, old friend uh, from Arizona. He knew Sister Becky long before I ever did and uh, was in Brother Perry Green's church for years and years and years and uh, came by this week just to visit on his way back home again. So, Brother David, it's great to see you, and uh, may the Lord bless you and bless the continuing of your journey. Um, we also, too, I just wanted to say that uh, we normally in May, we like to uh, just get away our family, and this coming weekend, Lord willing, we'll be getting away for a week, and they say you can relax on a holiday, so I'm going to try to do that, and uh, we'll, be, we'll be gone for this week. But the good news is this, Brother Matt Watkins is going to be coming and ministering uh, this Sunday, so we're, we're thankful for that, and good to have Brother Matt back on uh, line again. He was traveling back and forth out to Arizona often, but uh, now he was... Um, He's going to be coming up to visit us a couple of times over the next couple of months, so we're uh, looking forward to that. So that'll be this coming Sunday. So all of our services will be just in exactly the same way and same order as what they have been. Uh, a couple of quick pictures here. This is the village of Chiminamani. And uh, this is the church that we've been sponsoring building over there. And I showed you this picture a little while ago. This is the picture just a day or two ago. Uh, Brother Aaron's been doing a great job at sending me pictures all the way uh, in their progress. So these folks are very zealous. They're, uh, they're just absolutely doing a great job. And I'm excited to show you this tonight. This is the dummy copies or the samplers that I get from China. And these are the new sermon booklets that are coming out. Uh, for vision books, and in this particular sermon, there's the booklet, there's two sermons here, uh, God's Power to Transform and the Invisible Union, and so they're printed in the same booklet here, and uh, these are going to Malawi, these, uh, this group right here, five of these sermons, and that uh, constitutes 12 individual sermons. These are the ones that we print for 6.8 cents per sermon, and we are sending a half million of them to Malawi in the next two weeks. I think that's fantastic. I, I don't know about you, but uh, I, I got real excited when I saw these. I mean, I, it may not just affect you like it affects me, but I just, I just was very excited about these. And, and we have been printing... Normally, we print the larger books for people like Church Ages and Seals and things like that because it's almost impossible to get that done in many, many countries. But now we're moving to this. And uh, the, these, let me tell you, these brothers are very excited about getting these sermons uh, like this because uh, he said uh, the brothers are already in Malawi. They're already uh, moving around the country distributing Bibles. And uh, they said that 
there's just such a wave of expectation because of the Bibles coming through. And then also, and this is thousands of Bibles. They've never had that. They might have had like 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 before, but never thousands of Bibles before going to people who have no money, nothing at all, and it, it, they're just really excited. But to know that there's about a half million sermons coming through in their language, uh, they said there's just such a wave of expectation among the people over there that they're already uh, heading into revival mode, and uh, they're just really excited about that. So uh, they've been waiting a long time to get uh, things in print. They have not had things in the Chichewa language for a long time. And so this is, uh, to me, this is just really exciting, and uh, we're uh, just really glad for all the work that's done, uh, gone into that and, and getting it done where it is. All right, let's look in the Word this evening here as we want to find out how we can have, achieve peace in the house, all right? I can hear the little pitter-patter of feet online where people are saying to their kids, hey, go get your brother, your sister, your father, your mother, bring them all in. This is, you've got to listen to this because Brother Barry's going to tell us how to have peace in the house. Now, it's, uh, the actual instruction here, the instruction part is on slide number 18, so bear with me a little bit because you know me. I got to get there. All right, we got to we got to get to this place. So uh, this is uh, this is a little practical here, but I, I, I trust it'll be a blessing to you. And uh, this is not age selective, so it's not for young or old. This is for everybody. There are a couple of things I've observed, and uh, let me just uh, say this this evening here that <clears throat> there are um, there are two things that I've observed in my Christian life that I want to share with you, and these are very I, I put them very simply. Number one. I realize my limitations. I'm realizing as I get older that I have limitations. There are things that are what I call the God part, the things that God's going to do, the things that I can't do. I can't turn water into wine. I can't uh, walk on the water. Uh, There are things that that God has to do, and I refer to them as the God part. Uh, I'm not a healer. I believe that God's a healer, right? I'm not a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. He is. And there are some things I can, uh, I, I cannot do. I cannot change much. I cannot change much even about myself except for the work of the Holy Spirit in me. And so I stand back in awe of the God part. But I also observe that there is a man part. And the man part are the things that I can appropriate from the ministry of the Word and the Bible that I can apply and fulfill because it's a commandment God gave to us to fulfill. Does that make sense? That's what I refer to as the man part. So, for instance, if the commandment is there to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, with coupled with repentance, then you know what? It goes from the God statement to the man part. You believe that? So now it becomes my part to be baptized. I've got to step up. I've got to step into the waters. And it, it, for an ordinance or for a commandment or something else, those are what I refer to as the man part. There's a God part and a man part. Don't give everything to God and say, God, you've got to do everything. But don't you also play the part of the Holy Spirit. Let him do his job. You do your job. Your part is to learn which is which. Is that okay? The second thing I've observed is that whether we realize it or not, we all have a true dependency on the Holy Spirit himself. And the best way to realize the fulfillment of the Word of God in your life is through surrender and nothing else. When you surrender to God's way, there's a realization 
of the purposes of God and the plan of God in your life. It is not because I'm going to take this into my own hands. I'm going to do what I, uh, you know, what I want and I have an agenda or I have an idea or I have a, uh, you know, a program myself. That's not how it works. There's a, there has to be a legitimate, sincere realization of your dependence on God. And when you surrender to that principle, God can work with you. I, I will assure you, He knows best. He knows the way for you. He knows the path forward. He knows how to get us to where we need to be. And he knows who your future spouse is. Uh, he knows, you know, what your, how many children you're going to have. He counts the hairs on your head. Uh, he's, he's a God who never loses control. And if that's true, we're better off surrendering to him and acknowledging our dependency on him. So number one, I've got limitations. Number two, I have, a, I have a need of him. I have a dependency on him that is best acknowledged. Now, let's just talk a little bit about this subject here. And we've, we've talked about uh, shalom in the home. And I, I want to uh, just uh, preface this little, uh, little service tonight with these two uh, stories here. And number one is in, found in Psalms 128. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. This is the condition in the first line here. If, if a man fears the Lord and walks in his ways, that's the condition. If you, if you will do this, uh, then, he says, you'll eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. In other words, the fruit of your labor won't be given to another. It will not be lost to another. It will not be taken by another, but you'll enjoy it. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children shall be like olive plants round about the table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion. Thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yet thou shalt see thy children's children in peace upon Israel. This is almost millennial. This is almost millennial in quality. Because it sounds like this is the way that it's going to be in the future. And I believe that it will be. I believe it will be even better than this. Because I don't believe that our future in eternity will be full of labor. I believe that it will be a time of rest. How many believe that? Millennium will be a time of rest. But here's the, the idea that David encourages the people. And he says, says this, if a man will fear the Lord and walk in his ways, not only is he blessed and affected by that, but all of his household is affected by that. And even out to the third generation. His children's children, right? So your job then is to strive to find out how in the world can I achieve this so that there is not only peace in my house and prosperity in my house, but prosperity in the houses of my children. Even when they leave my home and go and raise their children, how can that, how can that peace and prosperity be passed along? And it is tied back to the obedience that David describes in the first verse here, blesses every man that feareth the Lord. Now, let's look at the contrast to that, because, I mean, you think, wow, if this is the way that uh, things are, you know, everything should be rosy. Brother Branham, here's the question, what shall we do? Something has settled over me I cannot break through. Last fall I dreamed I was lost in white sand. It was getting dark. This dream has stayed with me, and I am as one groping in the darkness. My son Irvin and, and his wife were included in my dream, and now they're in darkness, and we are in desperation. I believe God will show you what it is. If we are wrong or sinning places, tell us we want to be right. So here's someone now who wants to be right and wants to serve the Lord, but they had a dream, and obviously this dream is really troubling them. And uh, you know, In other words, let me, let me just say it this way. 
even though, even though that this is nice, and this is the commandment given to us by God, Satan does not want to leave you there. He wants to trouble you in every way he possibly can. And this is just one example of a person who's troubled because of a dream that they have. Now, they think, oh, there's sin in here somewhere. We're troubled. It's getting dark. I've lost their way. One, I'm as one groping in the darkness. And that's a terrible feeling to have. All right. So let's go right to Brother Bram's answer. I didn't put it all in here, but I put in the main parts. I don't know the lady, but here's your trouble. You have let something happen to you that's made you nervous because being in white sands represents purity and righteousness. And you're just letting Satan pull one over on you. You're only nervous, and by doing this, you're making the rest of the family nervous. Stop doing it. Claim your God-given rights. I like that. You have a right to claim your rights. You have a right to put your hand up to Satan and say that you've gone far enough. That's it. Stop right there. This is not of God. I know this is not of God, and I want you to stop right there. He said, every, this is great. Imagine a prophet coming and interpreting all your dreams and giving you this consolation and letting you know, hey, everything's all right. It's your dream proves by the interpretation that you are in white sand. Let one member of the family get nervous and it goes to the next member, next member, first thing you're all fussing and going on. And nobody said amen. And one member of the family gets kind of upset about something. It upsets the other and the other and the other. And the first thing you know, the whole family's upset. It's Satan. Because that's his job to make your family disrupted and dysfunctional. Right? That's, it. that's the family's, that's Satan's job. Then if one member of the family rejoices, let the rest of them rejoice with it. So every one of the family try to do that. This is not always an easy thing to do, especially when everybody's upset and mama's nervous. Because when mama ain't happy, there ain't nobody happy. And it's a hard thing to try to just say, oh, okay, let's take what Brother Bram said and we'll all go home and we'll be happy. It's not always an easy thing to do. But he says, try, each one of you. That's why I love these. Uh, you know this verse of scripture that you find here says, as much as lies within you, as much as possible. Sophie, it's good to have you here. Sophie's been sick last couple of days. Good to have her here. Try, each one of you children, to help your papa and mama. Papa, you try to help the children. And don't let that gloomy, unbelieving spirit get around you. You are Christians. Say it with me. We are Christians. Say it again now. We are Christians. You are born of the Spirit of God. You're the salt of the earth. You have God-given rights. Let's say that. I have God-given rights. Let's say we have God-given rights. And the Bible said if there's any praise, if there be any virtue, think on these things. Don't think about the wrong thing. Think about the right thing. Get off of Google. Stop being a doctor unless you're a doctor. And think about the right things. Because you can easily drag yourself down into the pit by assuming things that are not true. And you can affect the rest of your family when that happens, right? We okay? We could probably wrap it up now and sing a chorus or two and go home, couldn't we? But I've got more. 
How can I overcome? Let's take, for instance, Brother Branham says now, for instance, our sisters, they're pretty, and he can get you to a place that you let your hair grow out and it looks so nice on you, and first thing you know, you get kind of a little feeling of stuck up, a little above someone else, and some of you men, you know what I mean? you got to overcome that. Remember, you're living for God. Now, here's what I want you to catch. When, when it comes to priorities, I love how Brother Branham establishes certain priorities and and, and gives us these little lists of things here. Remember, you're living for God. You're here on the earth for God. You're not here to try to look better than the next. You're not here to try to get married first, right? You're here, you're here to live for God. You're here to live out his purpose, his will for your life. You have one objective, and that's Jesus Christ. Outside of that, nothing else counts. You have one objective, and that's Jesus Christ. Outside of that, nothing else counts. That's him. Then secondly, for your family. Then thirdly, for yourself. But first for God, next for your family, next for you. You're number three. Put yourself last. He did. Jesus did. He put himself last in the whole list of things. So therefore, uh, there is, there is uh, we could say this, that hopelessness and doubt and fear, they create an atmosphere, don't they? But hope and joy and forgiveness, they also create an atmosphere as well. When you have somebody who thinks that, you know, uh, there's an offense and you go to them and you, you, you know, you, you're sincere and you ask for forgiveness or you extend forgiveness to somebody, there's something that breaks or something that stops right there. And you carry on in a different atmosphere. And that's the way it should be, folks, among us. That's the way it should be. So I, I just, I just kind of wanted to get your mind moving in this direction here. And uh, we, we uh, showed a couple of these here uh, last, the last time I did number two. And I just want to say this, and I'm going to be very brief here, that uh, there's, there's a divine principle at work in the discussion of families in the Bible. This is a divine principle. And the divine principle is not only applicable to husbands and wives and families like are gathered here, but also between Christ and the bride. And this was always his goal. He wanted to have a bride, just like Adam wanted to have one of his kind. Everybody follow that? Adam's standing there in the Garden of Eden, and he's, you know, he's looking at all the families of animals around him, and he says, huh, but you know what? There's none of my kind. And you know what? He's standing there, and he's got this feeling that nobody else on the earth has ever felt before, and it's called loneliness. Aloneness. Right? <laughs> but i got another question for you. Who was Adam created in the image of? God. So if Adam was created in the image of God... And here's Adam feeling aloneness. Here's another question. What did God feel when he created Adam? Aloneness. Right? Because the goal was for Adam to have one of his kind because God wanted to have one of his kind as a companion. So this is that which was in the mind of God. And we know that the progression is that all God was, he poured into Christ. All God, uh, you know, all was in Christ is poured into the church. And, of course, then we go back to Eden again. And Brother Ram said that's a threefold mystery of Christ. And in that order of things, Christ is the head of the husband. The husband is the head of the wife. And the husband and wife are the head of the children. Right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. So, therefore, this is the order that God set up for family. So, it's not unclear. It's not vague. This is something that God is very 
uh, very astute about, that he wanted to make sure we understood. Put it in the Bible, it's all there, and uh, we, we can understand it. So here's Brother Bram's advice now, 20th century prophet to 20th century people. He said, if you'll learn to love and be kind to everybody and be gentle and have patience, it'll even make your home life different. Sorry if this is simple. Sorry if I'm using the word love. Sorry, you may not, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 let's go on. It'll make your associations different. It'll actually make your associations different, like who your family hangs around with, who your kids want to hang around with. It'll make your associations. You, you'll want to associate with, with your church. You want to associate with believers. You want to associate with good people, right? And, and as soon as it moves into the carnal, you're going to disassociate with that. You're going to draw back from that. And when you do that, when you make steps like this and you begin to practice these things, not just talk about them or sit there in the pew and say amen, but when you, pra- when you practice love and when you practice forgiveness, God will honor that. It'll make your associations different and God will honor you. I've tried it. I will tell you this. The Bible says that a soft answer turneth away wrath. It is one of these scriptures that I have applied more than any other Bible verse that I know of, myself personally. People have been very upset and very angry and even angry at me, and I've, I've responded to them with a soft answer. And I'm talking about clo- very close associates in the family, and I'm talking about perfect strangers. Either way, when you make a, when you make a soft answer, somehow or another God honors that. Because when you start to rail back and say, oh, yeah, well, you know, let's go outside. You know, there's a different atmosphere created altogether. You never have a right to do wrong. So, Brother Branham, I've given you this before, and I just want to highlight one part of it. What activities should our preteen children participate in? And should we go about, how should we go about helping them select their associates? Keep them in Christian company as long as you can, as you possibly can. If it's a girl, keep her with Christian girls and so forth. And then Brother Branham says if, she, uh, if she's going with an unbeliever, try to encourage her. So if you go to with a believer, make your home nice. Talk her off the ledge if she feels like, you know, you're, you're taking away the love of my life. I know, I know, this is the one. And you've got to do that. And he says, make your home nice. Make your home a place where your daughter or son will not be ashamed to bring their company before their father and mother and into their house. And make home so happy that they'll be pleased in their home to stay there. Now, it doesn't really work because all my boys left. But I tried. We bribed. We did everything we could. Groveled. Begged. Threw myself in front of the door. But the smell of gas and the smell of perfume got in my way. And they're all going, going, gone. Our license plate is soon going to be out of date. All right. Now, in 1955, Brother Branham says this. I love you and I'm here with all my heart to try to help you, try to help you make your home a better place to live and to make the community you live in a horrible place to do evil and an easier place to do right. That's the idea. That's the idea. That's, and a very, or in other words, let's say it this way. There's a God part and there's a man part. This is a man part. Are we okay with that? There's a God part. Uh, but there's, there's also a man part. There's, a, there's something I can do here. And... We can, we can try in our home to make our place 
a, a place where our children would, would not be ashamed to come, not be ashamed to bring their friends. It would be a place uh, uh, we should try to we should strive to make our church community a place that we're not ashamed to bring an unbeliever in. Listen, I, 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 I just let me say this. Just self, this is self-evident. All right. We're commissioned by the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And my understanding of that is that we stop when our bodies are changed. Our bodies are not changed. So we still should do it. So we should be out there witnessing to people and telling them, hey, we're living at the end, but there is hope. And we know we've got a key. We've got an understanding of what the hope is. And you should not only tell it, but you should live it so people see it. That's part one. The second part is we need to make sure we create an atmosphere in here that somebody could come in and say, they're different. They've got something that I've never encountered before. And you know what? That means that you've got to leave your foul attitude outside. That means you've got to leave your complaining outside. That means you've got to leave your critical spirit outside. You've got to make sure that in this place, now don't pick up your critical spirit after you go outside. You should stomp it a little bit before you come in. But when you're in here, it should be an atmosphere of worship. Because you know what? God delights in the praises of his people. And I believe that when we worship, somehow or another, he moves in among us. And then we have an expectation in our hearts that God's going to do something. We are the people who believe that God's a healer and God doesn't do any, need to do anything else to prove that he's a healer. We believe that God's a savior, right? We don't, God doesn't need to do another thing for us to believe that he's a savior. Hey, we've seen it. We've experienced it. We've done that. We believe that. God can save the lowest. God can forgive the worst. God can answer the toughest questions. God can change your life. God can change your children's life. God can supply. God can do the supernatural. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We should be coming with expectation whenever we come here. And you should not be ashamed to bring somebody here and say, come and see. Make your community a horrible place to do evil and make this place an easy place to do right. I believe wherever you are, that's what it should be. So, we all agreed then, right? We all agree with this. As for me and my house, we want to serve the Lord. We all agree? We all would like to have that kind of an atmosphere around us and to be able to be strengthened by that kind of an atmosphere. Now, in order to accomplish that, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, they, they prayed for that. They looked forward to the day when that would happen and happen uh, more supernaturally. But let's just review a little something here we find in Romans chapter 5. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Paul talking about us, you know, being saved by grace. And being saved by the mercies of God. And he says we have access by faith into this grace that saves us and plucks us out of the world. We have access by faith into this grace and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Notice now that the grace of God is what's brought you to where you are. And, and the grace of God implies that you did not deserve it, but God gave it to you anyway. And then he says, by faith we have access into this grace wherein we stand. In other words, the ability for you to stand is not found in your own strength. 
It's not found in the fact that you're a part of this church. The ability to stand by grace comes because you have access to all that God has provided for you to live virtuously in a very ungodly world. Right? God has given you the ability. God's given you because you've got access into his grace. Wherein, whenever you make a mistake and whenever you mess up and whenever you get mad at your kids or whatever else that goes on uh, in your household, whatever goes on in your life, let me tell you, God, you have access to a grace that the world knows nothing about to be able to stand in this world where everything else is falling apart. Hey, it's not because you get it all right. It's not because you're worthy. Come on, that's a joke. It's not because we are more talented or gifted or better singers than anybody else. It's by grace that we stand. And God has given you access to that grace. And the world knows nothing about it. It's kind of like they're listening to AM stations and we're tuned in to FM. Right? You know, hey, that's, and that's your message to people. You know, hey, come and see. We've got access to another set of channels. And not only so, as if it could get any better, but we glory in tribulations. Our attitude about the trials of this life are different than everybody else. We glory in tribulations because we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And tribulation worketh patience, patience experience, experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto who? Us. Not everyone. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely will a righteous man uh, will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, would e- some would even dare to die. But God commandeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And everybody said a hearty amen. amen. That access, it means the act of bringing and moving towards God, that relationship with God whereby we are acceptable and assured that we are favorably disposed that he is favorably disposed usward. It's the act of moving towards God. When we say that we have access, that means that we have, we have been blessed with the ability to move towards God. Wow. That's an amazing thing. But let's go a little further with that. In Ephesians 3, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not in my tribulations. And, and Paul is reinforcing it again. He says, in Christ. He said, because he's chosen us before the foundation of the world. And we've been predestinated for this life that we live on this earth. We have boldness and access to God. He wants you to understand, you have the right to move toward him when Satan's trying to push you back. You have a right to have access to Him. You have a right to come to Him. You have a right, uh, you know, like, like I've said many times before, uh, no matter what I put on that door over there, if it says do not enter, pastor, you pastor study, or, uh, you know, off limits to everybody, my boys are just going to walk right in, right? Hey, Dad, listen, I need five bucks. Because that's what they do. Because they're family, right? They, hey, they, they know they have access. They always have access to me. Whenever I'm in a counseling situation with somebody, and I've said it to some of you, whenever uh, somebody reaches out to me for some reason and they're trying to sort something out, I always tell them, here's my email address that you have access to. And through this, you have access to me. And no one else will read this. This is something that uh, we'll, we'll be able to work on personally. And I give them access. You give them, I give them the ability to knock on my door anytime. And that's what, to me, that's what pastors do. But here's what Paul is saying. 
that we have boldness and access with confidence. I know God's behind that door. I know I can go to him. I know I can make an appointment with him anytime. And I can have a conference with him. That's Brother Bram's terminology, right? I can have a conference with him, conference with God. Watch now. It wasn't because that the rich young ruler wasn't a church member. It wasn't because he was morally right. That's not what would have made the difference in his life. He was. He said, I followed all the commandments. But we can be a church member and morally right and still not obtain eternal life. The Bible said to him is life, to know him is life. Not know the word, but to know him is life. Not just know the Bible, the verses, but Satan also believes and trembles. We've got to have an experience of a death, burial, and resurrection from our old life to new life, which comes in Christ. It comes by the Holy Spirit, new life. So let me tell you something. Let me explain it this way. By faith, we have access to God. By faith, I believe he's there. He exists. He's real. And by faith, I can go to him. I can ask forgiveness or I can ask for help in a time of need. I can also ask for things because he, brother, even Brother Branham taught us, ask big. Are we okay? But you know what this means? This also means that God has access to you. And I want him to have access to me. I want him to be able to drop in anytime. I want him to be able to impregnate my mind anytime. I want him to be able to speak from the inner man to my problem anytime. Because that's how God speaks. That's how, let me, if you're in a church sermon somewhere and some minister speaks and that word of God is meant for you and it's right for you, you know what? It resonates not so much in your flesh but when it resonates in the inside of the inside and something, something echoes and says, amen, that's right. It's an amen from the inside. That's what you want to have. And you know what happens when you got that? That's God depositing something in your heart that he wants you to draw from. That's God putting something in you that he wants you to draw from because you're going to need it in whatever situation you're in. That's God having access to your heart. Do you want to have, let God have access to your heart? Do you want to let God have access to your mind? You think, well, Satan's the only one who got access. I got news for you. Hey, when you surrendered your life to Christ, at, at the day you surrendered your life to Him, you gave Him everything. I hope you did. I gave Him my wallet. I gave Him my watch. I gave Him my mind. I gave Him everything. And I said, Lord, it's all yours. It's all yours. It's a beautiful thing for you to know that you have access to God. It's an even more beautiful thing to know that He has access in you. All right, how to keep peace in the family. I changed the fonts, and the fonts are not working right here, but this says how to keep peace in your family. All right, let's look. This is our text again. We recompense to no man evil for evil. Here's where you need to take your Bible. We're going to look at two passages of Scripture. Go to Romans chapter 12 if you don't mind. So I need you to take note of the context, because context is everything, of verse 18. We're talking about verse 18. Paul is giving advice to the Christians in that day. He says in verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of saints, given the hospitality, bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. So notice the words that were, the ideas that we're talking about. Patient in tribulation. 
distributing to the necessity or the poverty of saints, blessing them that persecute, rejoice with them that do rejoice, weep with them that weep, be of the same mind one toward another, mind not high things, but condescend the men of low estate, and be not wise in your own conceits. Do not have an inflated opinion of yourself. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Why? Because there are people who will persecute you. There's people who will rob you. There are people who will, like verse 14, persecute. There are people who will criticize you. So 17 is a very important verse then. Recompense to no man evil for evil. When evil is done, God just took your right to return evil for that evil. He just took it. If you're a Christian and you're a Bible believer, God just took away your right to get even and provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. This is your enemy now he's talking about. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head, and be not overcome of evil. Why is he saying that? Because you're surrounded by evil, number one. And number two, you can be overcome. If he says, be not overcome, then you can be overcome. There are, I, listen, I know people who have been overcome by evil. Evil websites, evil preachers, evil stuff in this world. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So Paul is describing the fact that you're in a fight. Whenever you're in a fight, whenever you're treated unjustly in a fight, whenever you're criticized you know, unfairly, whenever you are uh, treated with hostility, the, the, the reaction, especially in our day, the reaction in our day is to get justice done, to get uh, an attorney, to get some, some help here. <clears throat> We're going to... We're going to react this way. Paul is taking a different approach. So before we jump into a legal struggle here, before we... Is this okay? If it's possible. If it's possible. In other words, I'm going to do whatever I can do. I'm going to do whatever I can to try to straighten this situation out. And live peaceably with somebody. Now, I may not be that person's best friend. You know, you're dealing with situations of abuse or things that happened in the past. If I understand it correctly, my past got bought out. It got purchased at Calvary. Right? So I don't even own my past. It would be a foolish thing for me to hang on to it. That would be like me selling a car to somebody... And having, oh, one day I find an old set of extra keys I had for that vehicle. And I go down the street and get in the car and, and uh, crank it up and off I go. Hey, 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 that's not yours. That's sold. You can't do that. You don't have a right to something that's sold, even if you have a set of keys for it. Isn't it true you can go back and unlock things that happened to you in your past by dwelling on it and some trigger or something happens and you can go back and dwell on it? doesn't mean that you've got a right to go back and own it and drive it again. Your past is sold. It's been sold at Calvary. 
Your job is to let it go. Your job is to not become dysfunctional because Satan will use that against you for years and years and years and years and years and years. years. Hey, your job is to say, hey, I, I have access to God. And you know what? I believe that God is able to help me get past this. So use your access as a, as a tool, if you like. Use your access as a right that God's given you to go in and talk to him about this and say, Lord, give me whatever tools, give me whatever strength, give me whatever revelation I need to be able to get over this hump or this hurdle right here. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you don't mind. 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. I'm going to run out of time. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 13. Here's the same thing again. Let's read from verse 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. Whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, and edify one another, even as ye do. Also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace here it is. Be at peace among yourselves. Here, this, is a, this is a commandment given to us by God, to be at peace. Well, I'll tell you what. There's no better place for you to start that than at home. There's no better place for you to start practicing this than in your own household. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly and comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. That would even include teenagers. So therefore, we're not to render evil for evil. Rendering evil for evil is getting even with people, right? But remember what we read in Romans, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So don't put your energy into trying to find out how I can get even, but put your energy into trying to find out how you can get beyond the problem. Are we okay? Don't put your energy into trying to get even. The world does that. Put your energy into trying to get beyond this so that we can move on together as family. We can move on together as a couple. We can move on together as a church. Come on. And we can move on. Hey, we, uh, you know what? Uh, I mean, we had some difficult times or we had some rough times, but you know what? You know, we're still, we still have a common goal. We're still moving towards heaven. We're still, still pulling together. Still believe the same God, believe the same message, believe that God sent it. We're still fighting the same devil, right? You're better off forgiving quickly. Don't, don't hold a grudge. Don't get an attitude. Just keep moving on because the moment you stop and you start to try to get even with one another, Satan can leave town, Brother Branham said, and go on to the next town and cause havoc there. Wow. I wish I... Let's... let's do Genesis 6. This is... I didn't realize this, but among Jewish people, this is a verse full of intrigue. This is a verse full of dialogue. And here's why. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. <clears throat> These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man. And he was perfect in his generations. That phrase, in his generations, has got scholars stumped from all, all, all eras of time. He was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. It's an important thing for you to not to compare Noah's life to our day 
Because God made this statement about him based on him living in that day. You know, I've often heard the stories about John Wesley, how he got up and preached three sermons before 6 o'clock and traveled 100 miles on horseback. Horse fell in the ditch, broke his leg, prayed for the horse. The horse was healed, went off and prayed two more sermons, and then had breakfast. I'm thinking, how can I compare myself with that? Well, really, I'm not meant to, thank God. But God will deal with us based on the revelation we've got today. God will, base, uh, God will judge us and describe us as perfect in our generation, not in comparison to another. My goodness, I've got more miles than John Wesley ever did on a horse. My boys always talk to me. They complain to me about my carbon footprint so large in the world. I've got more miles than John Wesley. But you know what? He didn't have access to the transportation modes that I have. Right? But that doesn't make me better than John Wesley or him better than me because he did it on a horse. And I'd I'd never prayed for a pilot and had him healed in the spot. But I will tell you this. When God looked at Noah, and this is the discussion they have, and the discussion really is not a part of the argument here, but this phrase, just man, he is a tzaddik, meaning he is righteous in government, righteous in in, in his causes that he picks up, righteous in conduct and character, and righteous as justified and vindicated by God. There is no higher compliment than to be called in the Hebrew language a tzaddik, Job, Noah, very few people have been called this. He was perfect, meaning that all of these words right here, he had integrity, he was sound, he was unimpaired, and he was completely and entirely in accord with truth and fact. That's quite a testimony. That's why God chose him. And in his generations, he was uh, was righteous in the list of his descendants. In other words, the other people could benefit from from his ancestry, but also in, in the eyes of his contemporaries, he was considered just and perfect by God. Even if they didn't think so. Because I imagine most of them thought he was a nut. But in the eyes of God, in, 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 the, in the face of his contemporaries, this man is, has got integrity. And he stands out. Because in his causes, in his uh, character... In his household, uh, in, his, in his government of affairs, the way he ran the church, the way he ran his business, and all of that, he's considered a righteous man in doing all of that. I'd like to have that testimony when I cross over on the other side. I don't know about you, but <clears throat> in other words, peace in a home starts here. Let me say it again. Peace in the home. You want to have peace in the home, it starts here. David writes in Psalm 81, and, he, and he's, he's talking about how that he played for and used instruments, not just for entertainment, but he used them because music carries spirits. Right? All music carries spirits. The best music we have carries a spirit. It's never neutral. And there's an example in the Bible of how that, if it's possible, live peaceably with all men. David tried. But you know what? The more that, even though he's playing the good music and it's got all the right spirits about it, there's a javelin within reach of Saul, and he can't help it. Those spirits in Saul override 
the spirits of the good music, and he throws that javelin at David and almost kills him. He tried. You know what David's got to do now? He's got to run. He's got to get out of the house. And really, he never has another one-on-one encounter with Saul ever again. He tried. So when Paul says, up in the New Testament in Romans 12, he says, as much as lieth within you, you still have the responsibility to try to do the right thing, to make things right, to make things peaceful in your causes and in your position and in your, with your abilities and with the access you have to God. Use everything you can to try to create peace. Don't create division. Don't get an attitude. Don't get unforgiving. Keep moving forward. How to keep peace in your family. Hey, accept the fact that all families experience conflict. And everybody said... A family is not abnormal or dysfunctional because conflicts emerge from time to time. Hey, isn't it true Brother Ram's family had it? Isn't it true that Jacob had, uh, had anger in his family with Leah? Remember, she said, give me a child or I die. He says, who am I, God, that I can give you a child? Or Moses and his wife. You remember, they're on their way to Egypt, right? Brother Ram said things got pretty angry, pretty hot out there in the desert that night. Even Scripture refers to the reality of family strife, Proverbs 18. And in every family, there are differences of opinion, differences of approach, differences of expression. When it comes to disciplining children, there are differences of approach. Most times, people will discipline based on what they grew up like. And if they felt like their parents were too hard, they're going to swing to the other extreme, and they're going to become too easy. Children get away with murder. And that's not good. An expectation that there will be no conflict within a family is unrealistic and naive. That view will only result in disappointment. And that's really true. Let me tell you something about conflict within a family. It it is like the storm Brother Branham talked about on the Great Lakes when he said it calls out a lot of the debris that builds up in the lake. Remember he said after the storm, when the storm strikes the Great Lakes, he said all kinds of waves and everything tossing around. But at the end of the storm, the same amount of water is still in the lake, but all the debris is on the shore. Conflict in families is like that. You can have a storm. You can have an upset. You can have a season of upset. But very often, if you're sensible, you'll learn from that and begin to call out the things that don't belong in the relationship. They don't belong in this season of life. They don't. You know what? We've got to change our attitude. We've got to change our, uh, we've got to get rid of some of our old ways. We've got to uh, adjust. Right, am I making sense? So disagreement helps to cull that out. Now you've got to make sure you don't get carried away with all of that. But you, that, that's, sometimes that's the purpose of, you know, like even in Brother Bram's own story about how his wife was so frazzled and the house is filled with people and sick people and he's always, always in ministry. And, you know, he takes the apron and he puts it on and washes the dishes with her. It, it's, it's, not just, it's, it's not just Brother Bram's doing whatever he needs to do in order to keep the peace so he can carry on doing what he's doing. All of those opportunities, all those experiences really are learning experiences. They should be. Where we learn, you know, Wow, my wife's got a limit. <laughs> my, my husband's got a threshold. And you know what? Uh, we probably need to make adjustments here. Or my teenagers. You know, they, I didn't realize they felt that way. 
You know, they might have some sort of a blow up and then things might get said. It might shock you that they even said that. And then you realize, wow, I never knew they felt that way. It's probably because you were not listening. So the volume gets turned up and now everyone's listening. So it's unrealistic to think and naive to think that it isn't going to happen. It is. Even the best of couples have disagreements within themselves because they're two different people. One is male and one is female. And we all know that God thinks like a man, so the man's always right. The second thing is you want to avoid words like never, ever, and always. When you say things like never, and ever, and always, you can quantify things too tightly, especially when it comes to being critical of children. You never consider how I feel, or you're always late. When will you ever accept responsibility? There are, there are ways that what I refer to as softening statements like that. And say that, you know, maybe a wife might say to her husband, you know, there's, there's a, a need for change in the way that, you know, we earn or the way that we run our household here. And I'm willing to do my part. Let's sit down together next month and let's plan things out. Let's see how we can change this, what we're doing. And it's not always said in that tone. That's always, you think, wow, Brother Barry, is that the way you say it to your wife? You never mind how I say it to my wife. No, I'm only joking. But you, you can come at somebody and say, you never expect re- accept a responsibility. You know I'm coming, right? And you stand on his toes and say, you never get it right. We're always, you know, behind the eight ball. And every other family in the church is able to go to Golden Corral after the meeting. And we can't go. And you can make that approach really hard. And you know what he's going to do when he gets in that position? I'll tell you what he's going to do. If we could medically put a blood pressure cuff on him and take his pulse and everything else, it would have shot right up. And when all of that fight or flight uh, stuff happens in his brain, he's just thinking, how can I get out of here? How can I get out of here? He's not listening. He's not in a, in, a, in a bargaining mode. He's not in any of that. He's on the defensive when you go like that to him. And I'm not even married to him. Here's what Brother Bram said. In your family, your own children, there's hardly two of them will agree with one another, but they're in the same family. Notice how quiet it is. They might differ in feature. They might differ in appetite. They might differ in every way, but yet you're one family. You may say to your wife, where do you want to go for supper? Oh, it doesn't matter. Are you sure? No, 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 it doesn't matter at all. Um, Well, we could go to Burger King or McDonald's. Oh, it doesn't matter. You pick whatever you like. Doesn't matter. All right, let's go to Burger King. You go through the drive-thru and you say, oh, what would you like? I don't want anything. You know I don't like Burger King. You know I don't want to come here. And we're the family of Christ. And I'm not trying to say, Jimmy, I'm with you. Johnny, I'm against you. I'm saying, Jimmy and Johnny, we're both in the same family. You see what I mean? We're all working together on this farm to make a living for the family. God put us together. So we need to resolve some things. We need to work together. That's all he's saying. Hindrances to families are you know, sometimes very simple that we can, we can identify. That there is shame, guilt, regret, resentment, and bitterness. The last two have to do with your past. Your past has been sold. It's gone. Shame, guilt, regret, resentment, and bitterness. This is a problem in a family. This is a problem for you individually when you experience these feelings very strongly. The things you've done, they become a hindrance to a family because a person thinks, well, 
that God will never use us, God will never speak to us, uh, you know, I should never go to communion, I should never be at church or whatever else. And we can come to the place where even hurt people hurt people. And we don't want that. We need to separate the behavior from the person. It's an unacceptable behavior a parent must object to and not the person. So this is a, a, a careful thing that we have to do. You can say, I'm upset because you came home an hour past curfew because I was worried something might have happened to you is more appropriate than saying, late again, I'm not surprised because you're so irresponsible and mature, you'll never amount to anything. <laughs> I better move on. Too many people are red-faced here. Flexibility. In order to keep peace in the house, things are constantly in flux. They're constantly changing. And when Paul said in Ephesians 6, do not frustrate your children, many family conflicts could be erased and eliminated. A parent would be certain that the rules are age appropriate. And sometimes you've got to stop. Sometimes you've got to call somebody and, and say, Hey, am I thinking correctly? I've, I, I will tell you, I'll be honest with you, I've often done that. You know, sometimes situations will come up, things will come up, questions will come up, and I don't always have the answer. Or I honestly will admit to you that sometimes I'm outdated because I haven't adjusted things for a while. I will tell you this, that I know that there are intercontinental ballistic missiles in silos in mountains in America, I know this for a fact, that were established, set up, standing upright, armed and ready, you know, within the, the parameters, and are operating on five and a quarter floppy disks. They set them up, got them all ready, put in the software that they needed, and it was all on five and a quarter floppy disks. They left them there. Never had to use them. Thank God they never had to use them. And the problem is, is that they need to update those a little bit. Because if you turn the computer on, guess what it's going to do? Update, 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 update. And the war would be over by the time you got everything updated, right? All I'm saying to you is this. Is that you can frustrate your children by remaining in a certain place when as they get older, sometimes things need to be adjusted upward. But I believe that in the latter approach of things, hey, if you want to have more freedom, then you need to be able to handle that freedom responsibly. So if we give you the keys to the car, don't go out and act like I be responsible, be home on time, stay in touch. And then, of course, as they handle the freedoms that they have responsibly, then they can have more freedom, then they can have more freedom and so on. But the opposite is also true. If you have, the, if you have newfound freedoms and you're irresponsible with it, we're going to come back down on the ladder, and that's the way it's going to be until we go back up the ladder again. So it should be age-appropriate all the time. Second paragraph, Brother Bram's talking about uh, Abraham Lincoln up here. Your family is what you are, and you raise your child in a certain environment, it's got a 98% better chance to go right than it has if you bring it up the wrong way. Bringing up a child in the way that it should go when it's old and will not depart from it, be brought up right, teach your children to do right, to be honest, to be square and fair, even when they're in school. Notice what he says. Be brought up right. Teach your children to do right. Be honest. Be square and fair, even when they're in school. Read it again. Be brought up right. How do little children tell their parents to bring me up right? 
If they're little children or they're not born yet, they're not able to say, bring me up right. So I'll be their voice. I will say this to parents and grandparents. Do everything you can to bring those children up right. And by bringing them up right, we create the best atmosphere we possibly can in our house. Right? We make our place a place we're not ashamed of for our children. We lead our children by example rather than by lecture. We demonstrate the principles of the Bible through obedience and surrender. We remedy things that go wrong. We extend forgiveness to one another. We work hard and responsibly. We fulfill the obligations that we've committed to. If you have a charge card and you swipe it, you have an agreement that you're going to repay. That's your responsibility. All right? That's in the agreement. If you haven't read the fine print, it's in the agreement. Therefore, what I'm saying to you is this, is that for your children, they want you to learn it so you can teach it. So, uh, you know, you young people that are here thinking about marriage and don't even have children yet, the children that will be are saying to you, get it right now in your life. Because there's going to come a time when you're going to need to help me get it right in my life. And now is the season for you to get it right. You say, well, how do I get it right? Hopefully you have parents that are helping you get it right. It's a, it's a responsibility that's handed down generation to generation. Peace in the home. Let me tell you, like that woman who had the dream and she's all upset and my children are upset and everybody's upset and we think we're lost. Maybe there's secret sin and all the other things that go on. Hey, in, in every family, Satan will try to attack. He'll try to find avenues of attack in whatever way he can. But I want you to know this tonight as we leave and have our musicians come. This is what you need to know. And no matter what, what the devil does, no matter what the tempter does, you have greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Right? You have greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Let's stand to our feet. You have a power within, and you have, listen, you have access to God. By faith, we have access to God. So when you have no other place to turn and you have no one else to go to, you have access to God. And that's what the Scripture teaches us. By faith, we have access to God into this grace. We're in, hey, he saved us, brought us to where we are today, and there's no shortage of that grace in the mind of God. So therefore, hey, if you have access, if you've got a key, if you've got a right to step into that place where you can make a withdrawal from that great bank account of grace, and you've got, you've got the ability to do it, and you don't do it, it's not God's fault. He's given you access. We just need to exercise our faith in going to God to receive the things that we have need of. And I will tell you what, he's a God who's quick to supply. He's one who is quick to give. Because he wants to bless. His nature is to bless even more than you want it yourself. Let's sing that little chorus, uh, From Glory to Glory, He's Changing Me, Changing Me. It's in B-flat, I think, is what the, the list I have here it says. From glory to glory, He's changing me. You ought to make that your prayer tonight before we go. Lord, change me. Change me so that I can help change the ones that will look to me up the road here. From glory to glory, He's changing me, changing me, yes, He's changing me. 
His likeness and image to perfect in me. The love of God shown to the world, for He's changing. To the heavenly likeness and image to perfect in me. God shown to the world from glory to glory he's changing me yes changing me oh he's changing me perfect in me the love of God shown to the world for he's changing changing me from earth to do is love Him, so glad He for me, and Jesus paid the price of redemption on the cross of Calvary, so every day my upon the things, Lord, that you've given to us. We're mindful, Lord Jesus, of our need of you. The great surrender, Lord, that all of us must make. Because, Lord, there are always people watching us. There are always people looking to us for example and leadership. There's always people, Lord, depending on us. So in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, Father, that we would take these things to heart. And not only would we listen to them carefully, but, Lord, we begin to practice them in our home. As our writing in Psalms tells us, Lord, when a man fears the Lord and fulfills his word, then Lord Jesus, your your blessing flows down to the whole family. The wife and the children, the fields are blessed. Everything about that household is blessed. 
So, Lord, we want to have that kind of blessing. We want to be able to be in a position where you can correct us and adjust us and use us, Lord. Lord, you've given us great access to grace. Come, I pray now, and minister to every heart. And we'll give you thanks and praise in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray for those who are sick and those who are needy, those, Lord, who are reaching out even now in prayer. Whether they're here or online, Lord, we know that you're the God who's omnipresent, and I pray that you would just minister, Lord, to each one. Father, we commit our ways to you now. Bless the balance of our week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Appreciate you coming tonight. David, God bless you safe travels. And for all of you, may God bless you tonight as you go. Sing this as you leave tonight. Lord, I want to love you more than I ever have before. You're so easy to adore. Lord, I want to love you Lord, I want to know you more than I ever have before. You're so easy to adore. Lord, I want to love you more. And Lord, I want to serve you more than I ever have. so easy to adore. Lord, I want to serve you more. Number one again. Lord, I want to love you more than I ever have before. You're so easy to adore. Lord, I want to love you more.